Is Bitcoin's death cross imminent? Could Tezos launch a new NFT bull run? And what is going on with Polkadot and its parachains? That and more in the crypto market talk this week. In this week's episode, we will talk about Bitcoin and Ethereum, some interesting developments on Ethereum's side. And then we'll also have a look at Tezos because I would expect a new NFT bull run thanks to Tezos. I will explain why. Then, unfortunately, new week, new technical issue on Solana. We'll dive into that as well. And then we'll also discuss Polkadot as well as Sandbox, some interesting statements from the sandbox ceo there but before we get started let's have a look at the crypto fear and greed index an index that technically just tracks how many people on twitter on social media and just generally when we track the emotions are really fearful when it comes to the bitcoin price versus are really greedy and right now we're looking at extreme fear here at a 10 point count uh, for the fear and greed index the saying goes be fearful when others are greedy and be greedy when others are fearful so maybe now is actually not a too much of a bad time to buy bitcoin when extreme fear is being around but let's have a look at the bitcoin news to really decide whether it actually is a good timing the billionaire Bill Miller, he is the founder and chief investment officer of the firm Miller Value Partners. He is considering Bitcoin as so-called insurance policy against financial catastrophe. Quite an interesting statement. And he continues with that statement with a very specific example. He's saying when the US pulled out of Afghanistan, Western Union stopped sending remittances there or taking them from Afghanistan. But if you had Bitcoin, you are fine. Your Bitcoin is there. You can send it to anybody in the world if you have a phone. And he is expecting more catastrophes like this where the financial or the global financial system, let's say, is actually under attack. And then you will need an alternative such as Bitcoin. He has a very interesting portfolio. He's saying that usually he holds about half or about 40 to 50% of his money in Amazon stock and the other half were about the same as Amazon or essentially the Bitcoin holdings. So we're expecting about 80% of his net worth being in um, two assets. So both in Amazon and in Bitcoin. So obviously he's quite the Bitcoin bull and he's also known to be uh, beating the S&P 500 for 15 consecutive years. So it's definitely not someone you should ignore when it comes to his opinion. But but again, of course, he is saying that from a very kind of global perspective. So if we see more wars, more geopolitical tensions between the different countries and more sanctions between these countries, obviously, we will need an asset such as Bitcoin in order to transact with it. Now let's continue. Unfortunately, not good news when it comes to the death cross. So the data hints at a further 43% drop due to in Bitcoin price in bear markets. Now, one of the Twitter influencers in the crypto sphere, Wrecked Capital, is saying that generally if we have to summarize a pre-death cross and a post-death cross um, scenario, we can see that, for example, in 2013, 
Bitcoin dropped 73% pre-death cross and dropped an extra 70% post death cross. If we look at 2020, however, we can see that minus 63% pre-death cross and plus 1581% post-death cross. 21, something similar happened, again with a plus. And now the interesting part is 2022, we're at minus 43% pre-death cross. So what exactly will happen post-death cross? So Rec Capital, the influencer is saying we will see another correction specifically here and he or she or they is actually expecting a correction down to 22k quite an interesting statement and the 22k is not coming from technical analysis but more kind of from the quantitative analysis looking at the death cross data now is it possible of course it is a technically a possibility but in my opinion what we have to keep in mind is that this is very limited data still so of course we're looking still until back until 2013 but at the same time we have to keep in mind that this data is uh, on, on in the beginnings of the Bitcoin price where volatility was much, much higher, where the fundamentals were very much different. So we have to be a bit careful with comparing the data from 2013, 14, 15, etc. to 2022. However, if we uh, say the data is correct, then technically this is actually a possibility, 22,000 US dollars. Now let's have a look at the chart in general. Not a lot has changed since last week, except we see some green candles, which was our hope last week, of course. So kind of breaking through that area that I felt like is quite interesting in an accumulation range. And if we have to believe wrecked capital, this is the area we would accumulate or at least set some buy orders so my opinion in that is instead of kind of being very opinionated in one direction i start i try to question these motives of course but at the same time if i see that the pattern might actually be correct why not set a small limit buy order at around 22k if it gets never hit you can still buy in at a later price but if it gets hit you will have a very nice entry going forward it would add up with the technical analysis element here that we can see so we see some support here I'm not completely convinced that 22k specifically on the dot will be the price but I do believe that this range of around 22 up to 23.5 could be quite interesting. Now let's continue with Ethereum because we've had some interesting developments on Ethereum. A so-called reorg happened on the beacon chain. Now, first of all, what is the beacon chain? The beacon chain is the separate chain that is already running proof of stake, whereas the current chain, the normal Ethereum chain that we know is still running on proof of work. And we are talking, of course, for weeks and months now about the merge. And there something interesting happened on the beacon chain a so-called reorg happened essentially meaning a potential security risk was happening on the beacon chain seven blocks got reorganized and that could kind of hint at a 
potential malicious attack. In this case, though, it was actually a software uh, bug or a software issue that has been fixed since. So I don't expect it to be a security risk. And I'm, if I'm com being completely honest, I'm more happy that this happens on the beacon chain in the beta phase versus this happening on the live system. So this is or, or was, let's say, rather the reason why the Ethereum price actually dropped as much as 11% on Thursday down to 1765 US dollars. It has since recovered a little bit, 1900 right now, just below 2K. But I still believe this was an interesting dip you could have bought if you kind of looked behind the headline of this reorganization issue. Moving on, some quite interesting statement also from Vitalik Buterin, the creator of Ethereum. He's saying that if there are no problems, then the merge will happen in August. You remember last week, Preston Van Loop, one of the Ethereum core developers, also said that the merge happening in August is a possibility. And we first thought this is just one developer, not really in this case relevant. It has to come from the entire organization. Now Vitalik Buterin obviously keeps his hand on the pulse when it comes to Ethereum development. And he's also saying that it is possible in August. So I would expect August actually to be uh, the date where the merge could potentially happen. So that would in turn mean we could expect a potential pump up until August. And if August wouldn't happen, I would say around September is more realistic because if it's end of August and if we look at general development projects, usually they get delayed in the last couple of days or last couple of weeks. So I would expect end of August, mid-September for the merge to go through. Another interesting statement from Vitalik Buterin came also in a paper that he wrote and uh, published where he is talking about so-called soul-bound tokens. Now a soul-bound token, and it's actually a reference to the game World of Warcraft, which has soul-bound items, is essentially an NFT that you cannot transfer. It is very specific limited to you or to that specific wallet and think about it as things such as a degree for example a university degree or a certificate that you have gotten and that is very specific to your persona so you shouldn't be able to transfer it in any way and you should be able to keep it for life so any kind of graduation paper any kind of certification could be very relevant in that regard and that just shows you another use case when it comes to the ethereum technology and especially if we look at the portfolio structure in general we can see that bitcoin and ethereum can belong to a crypto portfolio side by side without actually competing directly with each other what does that mean for the ethereum price again kind of green candle we're now in the positive from that bottom price of 1,807 US dollar that I've mentioned in the past. For me, still, this is an interesting accumulation zone. So everything below 2K or between 1,500 and 2,000 is an interesting accumulation zone where especially if you're a believer in NFTs, in DeFi, in soulbound tokens and all of these developments, you have to keep an eye on Ethereum in general. Now let's talk about Solana. Again, I've mentioned it in the beginning, another week, another technical issue. Here it says Solana's blockchain clock loses track of time now running 30 minutes behind. 
So as you know, Solana is running on something called proof of history. So timestamps are quite essential when it comes to the Solana blockchain. And if we're talking general uh, technical issue, we have to kind of put it in perspective. In this case, you can still do transactions. The transactions are running normally. It's just that the blockchain or the time of the blockchain is running behind around 30 minutes. What kind of consequences does this have? Essentially, you would have uh, less um, potential staking rewards if you're a validator for example that is kind of the major issue and the ideal slot time here is in milliseconds is 400 milliseconds the last value is almost doubled about 746 milliseconds and if we look at the explorer and this live data as I'm recording this video, we can see right now slot time one hour average is 539, but the one minute average again is 659 milliseconds. So way above the 400 milliseconds that we should actually have. So Solana's blockchain is still fighting technical issues. Did this have any kind of impact on the price? Very little. Of course, kind of the general pump of the market also impacted Solana. But for me, again, this is a no trade zone or a no buy zone right now until Solana really fixes its technical issues that we've seen in the last couple of months. Now, next up, we talk about Tezos here, an interesting news story about the Tezos Foundation, which is actually based in Switzerland. It's a nonprofit arm of the Tezos blockchain, and they have awarded or given a 1 million GBP, so pound fund to collect NFTs by African and Asian artists. So it's the first black photographer to shoot a British Vogue cover, Misan Ariman, and he is um, or will actually curate different um, or, or build up this collection of a 1 million pound GBP in value. So he's buying different uh, artists or different artworks on the Tezos blockchain. Quite interesting, especially if you're considering that the Tezos blockchain when it comes to NFTs has been actually on the buildup. I've been saying this to a lot of people. A lot of people are still looking at Ethereum when it comes to NFTs, but I do believe the next bigger hype could actually come from Tezos NFTs. Now, I will show you why. I'm currently on CryptoSlam.io. This is an NFT kind of analytics page, and we can see here the different NFT collections, the global indices. We can see the blockchains by NFT sales volume and so on and so forth. And when we can have a look at here, we can see that Solana, for example, Ronin, Tezos, Polygon, Wax, all of these different uh, chains are actually increasing when it comes to volume. However, if we kind of look at the last 30 days, we can see that Tezos is actually on top here. So Tezos is building up slowly but surely its kind of NFT collectors uh, area. And I would believe that this could be quite interesting. Now, of course, the transaction numbers are still fairly low. The buyers are also fairly low, but still I would expect the next bigger project to come out of Tezos. And that in turn could make for a very interesting Tezos trade. Now what I'm seeing here right now, and we're currently at 2.148, 
is a very similar pattern as we've seen in the kind of March crash 2020, kind of a major crash and then this, this crazy buildup up until four and a half, then another crash and then of course with the NFT and the general market hype towards October and November up until a price of nine US dollars. I would expect something very similarly here. So kind of seeing this, this pattern here play out in a very similar way especially if the NFT market would recover and currently specific collections are actually recovering. So I would expect NFTs on Tezos to go up in value as well. Next up, we're talking about Sandbox. Now, Sandbox, of course, is one of the most interesting metaverse plays. Here in this interview with Mathieu Nozaret, the CEO of the Sandbox, he is being asked, well, a lot of billionaires are buying land on Sandbox. Does that concern you in any way? Does it mean that metaverse is essentially just an area for rich people to play and essentially all the kind of normal people are priced out because it's so expensive? And Matthew is saying uh, very, very uh, clearly here that generally you can still buy plots for one ETH and it's not about the plot. The Sandbox, so the company themselves, they are actually keeping 15% of the land for themselves in order to do partnerships, in order to do pop-up shops and so on and so forth. And he's saying the real value of the virtual land is if you build on top of it. So it's not just buying virtual land, it's also buying and then building it up, bringing community and bringing activity onto the Sandbox as well. Another quite important question that came from Coindesk in this case was what happens if Sandbox, the company, goes bankrupt, anything happens with their funding and so on. And Mathieu there also said since it's based on this technology or this open source technology, technically you can still spin up the Sandbox as a virtual world without Sandbox, the company, existing. So more positive news from the Sandbox. Unfortunately, the price is still in the lows. You could say either this is a very interesting accumulation zone or actually if you want to go a little bit lower at around one US dollars and even below that, this seems like a very safe accumulation zone when it comes to sandbox. Looking at the metaverse, of course, it's a very long-term play. Metaverse is not something that will be here tomorrow. It will take a couple of months, if not years, for this to play out really nicely. But if you want to get in early, this is actually your chance to buy in. Now we jump on to Davos or the World Economic Forum, which happened last week. And there also people like Gavin Wood talked about it. Um, Polkadot founder, of course, and also co-founder of Ethereum. He was saying that Web3 is actually not longer just about crypto or DeFi or NFTs. It's about this general kind of globalized financial system where you can transact permissionless and you don't need a centralized authority and any kind of um, institution that you have to trust in the middle. So Web3 is actually this new concept that he is believing will become the standard in the future. And speaking about Polkadot, we can see that the parachains have actually spiked as well after, for example, a 250 million US dollar AUSD stablecoin fund. Now, stablecoins, of course, is a kind of critical topic right now with the Terra Luna crash that we've experienced a couple of weeks ago. 
But what we're seeing here is that Akala or Asala is launching a 250 million AUSD ecosystem fund in order to build up the stable coins on top of Asala. Quite interesting because right now the Polkadot ecosystem didn't have a stable coin. So this AUSD stable coin will be quite important for the ecosystem. Additionally, Alstar, another parachain, rallies after revealing a partnership with Microsoft. So again, another parachain that uh, can can really flourish with with price and another one is uniswap v3 is going to deploy on moonbeam so three parachains very positive news how did that affect the polkadot price unfortunately again not very strongly just kind of how the market reacted in general now i do believe that if you're a big believer in polkadot and i think it's a very very long-term play that now is actually a great price to enter the polkadot ecosystem but if you're feeling let's say more defensive i think something between four and a half and six us dollars could be the absolute um back the or load up the truck level if you want so i do think you have to be a bit more patient when it comes to Polkadot. But if these plays with the power chains, etc., do play out, then it might actually be too late. And this is more of an interesting price to get in right now. That was it from the crypto market talk this week. Make sure that you subscribe to this channel. I'll see you in the next one. Have a good one.